and start. So we bless God tonight as we come for the teaching for GPS for life for you, because we believe that God does provide solutions for life for you, for me. He's no respecter of persons. Uh, for several weeks now, we've been doing a teaching um, on matters of, of the heart. Many years ago, the Lord uh, allowed me to pen a, a song entitled that uh, exactly matters of the heart based on Psalm 51 and, and 10. And then this year, I felt the strong prompting uh, of the spirit uh, to really focus on Proverbs 4 and 23 that says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And so I believe that the Lord wants us to pay careful attention, recognizing that as a priority, it has to be a top priority that we guard our heart, not from the standpoint of like a, a soldier and putting up walls, that type of thing, but guarding our heart and protecting it against sin or things that displease God. Uh, because those things, those matters of our heart will impact uh, the outcomes of, of our, our journey in, in life. And so everything else will flow from it. It's similar to when we think about um, our, our physical being. And we know that the heart, the, one of the responsibilities of the heart, the heart is to pump blood to all of the, uh, the rest of the body. And so therefore, if there's any impairment and impediment in the function of the heart, then it impacts the ability of the, the remainder of, of the body uh, to be able to receive the nourishment that it needs um, and the blood supply. Uh, from, from the heart. So let us be mindful of that. And I pray that we'll etch that in our hearts. Uh, I, I believe God tells us purposefully that we are to hide his word in our heart that we not sin against him. We didn't say hide it in our head because we can have a lot of knowledge and we can have things hidden in our memory. But I think when it's in, in our heart, then we're more purposing to, to walk, to walk that, that out. And so let's hide that uh, word in our heart from Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now, with that said, kind of in a quick uh, recap, over the past few weeks, we started in this Matters of the Heart teaching, and we started in uh, the parable of the prodigal son, and we saw those dynamics there. Most people think about that parable that Jesus uh, taught uh, about the, the prodigal, the one who uh, had riotous living, left home, asked for his inheritance early, uh, left home and wasted everything that that he had, had to you know live with the pigs and until he finally came to his senses and he came came back home. Uh, some wonderful lessons in in that parable. You know, we see that clearly the prodigal was out was out of order. But thanks be to God, he came to his senses and he repented. He turned. He went back home, and the father was was uh, gracious and so uh, excited to receive him back home. Threw a party for him. But how many of you know that uh, just because you're celebrating and God is doing something great for you, everybody's not going to be so excited. And as it was for the the older son that remained at home and he was uh, not understanding and did not appreciate the fact that his father was throwing this uh, younger brother who was this prodigal, uh, throwing him this extravagant uh, party. And so we see here as matters of the heart that while the prodigal, he had some issues of rebellion. Uh, thankfully, he did uh, return home and was repentant, unlike 
the older brother who remained behind, who was filled with uh, with pride. He was um, judgmental, and we don't see any account in scripture of his his uh, repentance. And so just some wonderful lessons that we learned there. Then we kind of shifted gears and we went back to the beginning and Genesis, and we looked at uh, the account of the first family of creation. And we see in, uh, the dynamics there with uh, Adam and Eve and their rebellion against God, how in spite of knowing the instructions of God, they chose to uh, know better than God what was best uh, best for them. And, and they did what they desired. Um, and because of that, sin was allowed to, to enter into the world. And we see the struggle, <laughs> the struggle began. And so uh, we know sin separates us from, from God, uh, where they were living in paradise, they were living uh, with all the provision, everything that they needed. Then uh, life began to be difficult and challenging because sin had entered in. We saw that perpetuated in their in their seed, you know, Cain and Abel, where, you know, unforgiveness and, and anger led to murder. And, and so uh, we, we found there that, uh, that unfortunately, when we have unchecked sins, that they will perpetuate in future generations. And so we saw that that from the time of Adam and Eve, and then we went through the era, we didn't do much discussion about uh, uh, up until the time of Noah when the flood came, but there was even family dynamics there that resulted in sin. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly what uh, what occurred, but there was a violation of some sort where with Noah's um, Noah's son Ham, who uncovered his nakedness when he was uh, had uh, the, come out of the ark and um, was was drunken from he was a, a producer of the field, and so in one of his vineyards it said he had drank some of the wine from his vineyard. He had become drunk, and then uh, one of his sons, his youngest son, discovered him naked, and instead of covering him something was done to him. Uh, we don't know exactly what that was, but it says that when Noah recognized what had happened, that there was a curse not upon Ham, but actually upon um, Ham's youngest, youngest son. So again, we see how this perpetuation of sin, when we are out of order, we don't check that, how it, it not only damages us, but it perpetuates in future generations. So then uh, we go from the time of Noah into um, Abraham, uh, the patriarchs, and we know that that was uh, a soap opera in in the making in the making for for sure. Um, we saw that that the sins of of, of impatience of lying those things that had occurred with. Uh, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar that they continue, you know, with Isaac and uh, Jacob and Esau, and then the strife between the brothers with Joseph and and uh, his his brothers because there was favoritism, and we see how that played out even when Joseph was blessing uh, the sons in uh, Genesis forty nine, and even prior to that when he called for for Joseph's uh, sons that had been born in Egypt, and actually he claimed that Manasseh and Ephraim would actually be his own. Um, and he blessed them with a, a blessing as if they were his own, where some of the sons, because of their behaviors, uh, 
the oldest son, Reuben, he forfeited his blessing because he had slept with one of his father's wives, with one of the concubines. Um, and the other brothers that had taken revenge for their sister's rape um, and caused shame to be brought on on uh, Jacob, they forfeited their blessing um, as, as well. But Joseph, uh, who had been separated from his father, Jacob, for so many years, uh, and he had Manasseh and Ephraim while he was in Egypt. And Jacob was so delighted that he would, had a chance to lay his eyes upon Joseph again, as well as his son. He blessed them as if they were his own his own son. Now, this may seem a little, little, little awkward, um, but another thing I, I um, saw in that is how our environment, how our culture can shape us. Now, you may remember that Jacob, you know, he was the younger of he and Esau, but the blessing that typically went to the firstborn was reversed. And so he actually received the blessing over, over Esau. And so here again, we found that the same thing uh, happened where Jacob reversed that blessing to Ephraim instead of Manasseh, who was the, the firstborn, uh, because this was just kind of the, the culture, his mindset that, that uh, didn't have to follow that tradition, whereas, you know, Joseph was accustomed to the tradition. So I just say that to say this, that sometimes in our culture, in our upbringing, there can be things that uh, we experience. There are lessons uh, that we are taught either, um, you know, openly or, or, or just subtly that we take on take on those those messages. Now, if we learn, however, once we began into a relationship with Jesus, and if we learn that those patterns uh, or those lessons, those things, those behaviors don't line up with the word of God, then we must renew our minds in order not to forfeit the blessings of God. Because it is so important to know God's love is unconditional, but his blessings are uh, based on our obedience. So therefore, when we need to be transformed, Romans 12, one through two uh, is a, a favorite scripture that reminds us we have to be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of, of our mind. And so for those that are joining uh, in this discussion, I bless God for you because this is one of the ways that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we spend time with God and his word and we study his word and we pray and we ask God for, for the revelation of, of his word. So we thank God for those examples that we, you know, we saw in scripture, uh, in addition to some that we have been discussing uh, in the, the teaching, we also know recently in Sunday school, we were talking about uh, events that led up to the crucifixion of Christ and how, you know, people that are, are power hungry or there can be the, the um, pressure to whether we'll be a God pleaser or a man pleaser. This was the dilemma of, of you know, a pilot. Um, the people crucified Jesus over Barabbas, a, a known criminal, because he didn't fix fit the picture of the king of the Jews. They expected him to come and overtake the Roman government and, and alleviate their oppression. They didn't see him as being the spiritual king uh, that, that, he, that he was. And so like today, we still have those same sort of struggles. As I said, the struggle, the struggle is real. So we can learn from those examples in scripture. And, and one thing I want to point out, you know, many of you may have heard the saying, well, you know, uh, everybody has to learn 
time for themselves. And, and yes, we all have our own path. We all have our own journeys that we must take and, and paths that we have to walk. But I maintain that while we are learning the lesson, we don't have to learn the lesson by going through uh, the situation that those before us have gone through uh, in order to learn the lesson. We, we can learn through someone else's experience is the preference than going through the situation ourselves. If we see other people haven't had favorable outcomes as we see in scripture, I think that this should alert us that perhaps we need to, uh, to look at doing something differently than they did if we want a different outcome. And so I believe that we can uh, learn from the experience of others so that we don't have to go down those paths unnecessarily or and therefore reap those consequences uh, that others others reap. Also in the matters of the heart teaching, you know, we talked about how important it is, the, the self lessons, the lessons for identifying our own matters of the heart. You know, do we have uh, evidence of hardened hearts or rebellion in our own hearts? You know, are we disobeying God? Are we disobeying authority? Do we have heart murmurs? Are we, you know, uh, sins of basically of, of our, our speech? Are we gossiping? Are we complaining? Are we judging? Are we constantly involved in dissensions? Uh, is there some sort of congestive heart failure, you know, that impedes the ability of the heart to function the, the way that it should? You know, is there, you know, anger? Is there, you know, pride, envy, jealousy? Is there unforgiveness? And so, you know, as we look at those examples in, in scripture, then we also have to have introspection and look at ourselves to see, um, if uh, these areas, any of these areas that we see in scripture, if we see those in, in ourselves and ask God for the strength that we might repent and, and change, change our behavior. So then we may say, so then what, what would be the solution then when we find ourselves um, identifying uh, with some of these matters of, of the heart. You know, I, I like uh, so much the Romans 7, uh, starting at verse 21 uh, scripture, where, where Paul really points out what I say, said earlier that uh, many would describe today as the struggle is the struggle is real. Paul says this, he says, so I find this law at work. He said, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then in verse 25, he said, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, deliverance, deliverance is, is available because we often have that turmoil. It, it's not so much, I think sometimes we give too much credence to the, to the enemy. I think it's the war within. You know, we know what God desires of us. And, you know, a part of us, we want to do that. Then that flesh struggles uh, in, in the natural, there's the evil right there, you know, uh, right there with us. Uh, and, and so we have that, that ongoing struggle, but thanks be to God through Christ Jesus, deliverance is, is available. And so we know that when we become connected with Jesus, 
then and we desire relationship with him and we begin to pray and, and study, then our minds can be uh, renewed. And then we need a renewed heart, just as David cried out in um, Psalm 51 and 10, to create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit um, in me. And those things are so, so crucial that we have to have a renewed heart. We have to have a, a renewed mind in order to be able to uh, ultimately uh, please, to please God. And, and so then that gives us the victory to be able to do the two primary things that all of the, the commandments hinge on, and that is to love God and to love people. You know, Matthew 22, uh, 37 and 39 says that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And that's the first and greatest commandment. And then only second to that is love a neighbor as, as yourself. So some very important things there, principles. We have to love God with our whole being. And then we have to love our neighbor. Then it says as ourselves. So that means we have to have a healthy attitude towards ourselves, the way God created us, the plan and purpose that he created uh, for us and, and to be able to, um, to embrace that person that God has created and, and not to always just be speaking damaging things about our, ourselves, you know? Um, and, and because if we're unable to do that in, in a healthy sense for ourselves, how can we do that and show that to, to someone, to someone else? So the way we walk that out, I want to point you to the scripture in John 14, 15. Now, in order to walk this out uh, with, with God, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So if we go around saying that we love God, and number one, we don't keep his commandments, being that there are people that are in close proximity to us, people that we see that we, we hate, and uh, yet we keep saying that we, we love God. He says that that's, that's not in, in order. That is not possible. We can't love a God who we can't not see while mistreating and, and um, speaking uh, negatively uh, or hatefully concerning those that, that, we, that we do see. So in order to love God, we have to keep, simply keep his commandments. And so basically that boils down to being obedient, that we're willing to take God's word, be in relationship with him, submit to his authority, not just surrender, not having the red flag, the, the I'm sorry, the white flag and saying, oh, well, I have nowhere else to go. So, OK, you got me. He doesn't want us to come that way. He wants us to come with a submitted heart. And I believe that's surrendering with the right right heart. Uh, so submission is actually a greater act of humility than, than surrender. So then the way that we walk that out um, in reference to others, I believe uh, the love scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, give us a great, um, a, a great uh, explanation uh, a breakdown of how we can do that. It tells us that in order to love the way we love people, see, yeah, I think a lot of times today we're confused when people talk about love today, you know, they're talking about it from the standpoint of Hollywood, Harlequin romance novels and Hallmark movies. And, and that's clearly not what's outlined in scripture. Scripture tells us 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of, of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It's the truth that makes us free. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I mean, if we just walked that out, we would have a, a, a lot less divorces if, if we were willing to walk out 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through, through 8. And then we know that as far as example, some may say, well, you know, I didn't have that model in my home. I, I really don't understand. I don't know how to, to really walk out love. And that's the great thing about God's word. That's the great thing about being in relationship with, with the Lord Jesus, because regardless of what your situation is here in the natural, God has given us the greatest example through, uh, through his, his word and through his son. The greatest example of love is found John 3, 16, a familiar scripture. Um, that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Now, if we break down that scripture, it gives us some important points about how we um, should love. First of all, when you think about uh, what uh, was done in, in regard to this scripture in John 3.16, what was done was that if God so loved, or he loved us in such a way that, that he uh, gave his son. So we find that love gives, okay? And then it said he gave his only son. So love gives sacrificially. It wasn't like he had a host of sons. He had an only son. And he was willing to, for mankind to give his only son as a sacrifice for mankind. So he gave uh, with a love that was sacrificial. And then to whom he gave, he wasn't selective. It said to whosoever believed in him. So it was non-discriminatory. It was inclusionary. It was not exclusionary. It was to whosoever would believe. And the reason why was so that none would perish because that's the heart of God. He would not have anyone to perish. Now we know everyone will not receive, but that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is that he extends the invitation, the opportunity to whosoever will believe in, in him. And so that they will not be lost. And then finally, that they can have eternal life. See, this isn't it on this side for the believers that we are guaranteed when we're in relationship with the Lord Jesus, that when we finish our earthly uh, journey, we are promised a life of eternity with Jesus in heaven. So it doesn't end here. And so that's in a nutshell, the what, you know, why and who of, of love through John 3, 3, 16. And it is unconditional love at its best or uh, agape love. So now that we've looked at that example through John 3, 16, um, just pause a minute and everybody might have kind of some self-reflection and say, well, so how's your love life? Hmm. Uh, I'm not speaking in terms of, you know, romantically, but think about spiritually. How is how is your love life? You know, when you think about the scriptures that we just read from First Corinthians, you know, 13, four through eight, you know, are you being patient with people? Are you being love, you know, showing love? Um, are you uh, not being prideful? Are you boast, not boasting? Those types of things. Are you one that keeps records <laughs> of people's wrongs? All those things are, are not uh, in line with what God tells us that, that love is. Also, I think another measure for our love life, uh, we can find a great listing in, in Galatians 5. And it 
um, admonishes us to walk in the spirit so that we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. And then it goes on to, to list um, the obvious acts of the flesh, such, you know, such as sexual immorality, impurity. It has this word debauchery. We don't talk about that a lot, but that's just basically the, the flesh out of, out of control. You know, whatever you want to feed your flesh with in excess, you know, be it sexual activity, drugs, alcohol, that out of control, that's what debauchery is. Um, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. See a lot of that uh, if you turn on uh, the TV uh, these days. Uh, but it tells us on down in verse 22, fortunately, but the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that's where we want to be as believers. We want to have that fruit evidence in our life. Why is that? Because Luke 6, 43 and 45 tells us that a tree, a tree is known by its fruit. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit. So if you are a good tree uh, in, in the sight of God, then we should not have sexual immorality on our tree. We shouldn't have jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. We should not have those things. Um, and so it says, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is, is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So that just takes us right back as we, you know, close with this um, teaching. We go right back to the beginning with the matters of the heart. You know, it's not so much the things that uh, there was lots of discussion among the religious leaders about what would defile a person. It's not so much about what goes in us, but actually what comes out of us is evidence of our heart, our heart condition. So when we find ourselves, you know, if we find ourselves grumbling, we find ourselves, you know, jealous, um, we, we find ourselves um, just speaking things that are, are not of, of God, I mean, coarse joking and things like that, um, that lets us know our, our heart, our heart condition. But the good news is, as I said, that deliverance is available. Deliverance is available uh, because of Jesus, for his great love that he had for us. God loved us so much that he gave us his only son. And his only son loved us enough that he was obedient to death, to death on the cross. The nails didn't hold him to the cross, but his great love for us held him to the cross that you and I may be delivered from the wages of sin, which would be, would be death. Because you see, you know, love had everything, everything to do with it. And the attitude of our heart does, does matter. So I pray that as, as we've done uh, this teaching and we've looked at some scenarios in scripture from the, the first family of creation to from the patriarchs, uh, we've even looked at uh, the prodigal son, we've looked at the account of uh, Jesus and how he was, was treated. Uh, you may also even want to, to study like Ananias and Sapphira, how uh, we can uh, be drawn into to lying, trying to look one way to man, but 
uh, as if the Holy Spirit or if God is not aware of what the truth, the truth is. And that should be what is on the, the tree and part of the fruit of a believer is walking in, in truth because it's the truth that makes us free. But as I often say, uh, you know, a lot of times people are on a quest for what truth is. But apart from having a relationship with who truth is, and that being Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, there is no way that we can know and understand what truth is. So I uh, pray that you've been blessed by this um, matters of, of the heart, heart teaching. I pray that God will uh, continue to, to speak to you if there are areas uh, that you recognize that uh, maybe need to be uh, placed on on the potter's wheel for God to, to deal with you. Uh, the word of God tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so while your area may not be my area, they're all, all of us have areas uh, where we can come up higher. But thanks be to God for the wretched man and women that we can be from time to time, that through Christ Jesus, uh, there is, is hope for our deliverance. So we pray in the days to come that, that you will um, be blessed and that we will have a, the heart uh, that is more like Jesus and less like ourselves, and led by his spirit and not by his flesh. Thank you for joining us today. And we bless you and remember that God does provide solutions for you and me. Until God's next appointed time, be blessed.